I'm also extremely excited to carve my own legacy and, you know, really go in the direction of whatever's best for me. I would be honored that I'm there, you know, playing in his footsteps. But, you know, I understand that nothing um, of legacy or anything earns playing time on the field. And so I'm going to have to work my hardest. That was Noble Hook talking about forging his own legacy even in the footsteps of his father, who also played soccer for St. Mark's and SMU. Welcome to the Focal Point Podcast, specifically the End Zone Podcast series. I'm your host, Sid Sinha. Coming up, you heard a little bit of Robert Pugh's interview with Noble Hunt. They talked about Noble's commitment process to SMU, including a bunch of identification camps that he went through over the summer of his sophomore year and how they helped him out during his commitment process during the summer of junior year and the fall of senior year. Make sure you listen to the other End Zone podcasts dropping today. There's a ton of them. You cannot miss them. So make sure to listen to the other ones once you're done with this one. That being said, I'm going to kick it over to Robert. This is an awesome conversation. So I'll see you guys on the other side. Hello and welcome to the End Zone and Remarker podcast. My name is Robert Pugh. I'm the Remarker Editor-in-Chief and I'm joined today by Mr. Noble Hunt, SMU soccer commit and current marksman. Hello, Noble. How are you doing today? Hey, Robert. Thanks so much for having me on this podcast. I'm super excited to be here and to dive into my story and, you know, sort of what got me to where I am today. Awesome. Right before we we hopped on the air, you mentioned that you're a big podcast guy. What are some of your go-tos? Um, I love the I love all the 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 Barstool Sports Podcast. I find them really entertaining and interesting. And I also like Joe Rogan's podcast a lot. Oh yeah, Joe Rogan's the the expert when it comes to podcasting, for sure. Um, all right, so I guess we'll just start at the beginning. Um, I want to ask. You know, what kind of got you into soccer and what are some of your very early memories um, in the game? So I've been playing soccer ever since I could first walk. Um, my first word was actually ball. And so it feels like it's always sort of been this love story with the game. Um, soccer has been a huge part of my life, not only because of um, the sports history and my family, um, but because it's something I've become really passionate about and, you know, I've truly fallen in love with the game, you know, ever since I could walk, my dad had me kicking a soccer ball and he was the coach of all my little league teams. And, you know, I remember those, those days vividly and, you know, whether it was on a YMCA school team or, um, even really early on, I was playing for FC Dallas. Um, as a club team, I I loved it and I stuck with it. Yeah, and then you played for for Providence before you came over to St. Mark's, right? I did. I actually played on um, Providence's first ever men's soccer team. I, I guess there might have been one years ago, but there was a revival, um, and that was so much fun. Um, I actually played on it with you. Remember sharing some amazing memories on the field, um, scoring and assisting each other. Um, but for me, school soccer has always been 
just sort of a way that I can express myself and have fun with my friends. Um, it's, you know, an amazing opportunity to get to play in sort of a lighter environment that's obviously still focused. Um, but, you know, those memories at Providence were something I'll always carry with me. Right. But then, of course, you know, you got club soccer, which is, you know, going to be more serious. Um, and so you, you say you start out with FC Dallas. Have you been with FC Dallas all the way through or what does that look like for you? I have. I've um, played with only FC Dallas um, my my entire life. And there are a couple of reasons for it. One is obviously because of our family connection to FC Dallas. And I don't think I could ever play against the team. It'll be interesting if I go on past college and, you know, maybe play in the MLS if I have to deal with playing for another club. Uh, but right now I just want to focus on what's one, one step in front of me. Um, I've played for a couple different F Dallas teams and it, all in different situations. Um, and, you know, together they've all really gotten to me where I am today. And, you know, club soccer, it's, it's an amazing thing as everyone's coming together, just like any other sport to work their hardest for a goal. And it's truly a team sport. Um, and, you know, something that I have so many great memories from. Yeah. And have you always played the same position? Cause I know you play outside back uh, right now. Is that what you've always done? So I've bounced around. Um, there's a joke on my club team that I'm known as the utility player because I've played almost every position. Um, when I was young and really for a long time, almost through middle school, I was always sort of an attacking player, whether that was the number 10, the central midfielder, um, or the number nine, the the striker who scored goals. Um, and, you know, that, that was what I was known for on the field, having sort of an aggressive mentality and putting balls in the back of the net. But as I got older um, and really into my junior and senior years, I've transitioned um, onto the wing and then more recently as an outside back um, just because uh, my strengths and my skill set. Um, I have a history in running track and field. And um, while running isn't something I necessarily love doing, um, I've, it's gotten me in pretty good shape. And so I've become one of the, you know, bigger runners on the team. And my coach likes to have me out there to run the length of the field. Um, but even more recently, I've started playing as a center back just to sort of, you know, widen my toolbox and so that when I go into SMU if they need me to play anywhere on the field I'll be capable of doing so right and so then I guess when did you start getting recruited what was that process like and kind of when did it begin so playing college soccer has been one of my lifelong dreams and goals that I've had um, when you grow up in the soccer world you're always sort of looking for what's the next step what's the next accolade you can acquire and what's the next level you can go to to not only increase your game um, but play at a higher level competition and so really when I was in middle school I told myself that playing college soccer was something that I not only wanted to do but I could do if I worked hard enough for it um, I, I wasn't um, at the point in my career where I was a good enough player to go to the collegiate level um, in comparison to all my peers in middle school. But 
really as soon as I entered into high school, I started working extremely hard so that, you know, I can make this dream a reality. The actual college soccer recruiting process began, you know, as soon as I was looking for potential colleges that I might want to attend academically. One of the criteria became not only where is the campus location, but does this certain school have a soccer team? And, you know, what level are they at? And, you know, right now with my current skill set, would I be a good fit for this program? Would I get playing time on the field? Um, Would I mesh with this group? And so ever since I've been looking at colleges, I've been, you know, the criteria has been, do they have a soccer team and can I play there? Right. And so I know, um, for instance, that like, you know, Texas doesn't have a men's soccer team. Are there many other D1 programs or schools that don't have a men's soccer program? Or is that, is Texas the exception? So there are actually quite a few programs across the nation that don't have a men's soccer program. And I believe um, from the majority, it's um, because of Title IX um, in the NCAA, which I'm going to paraphrase and I could get this wrong, but basically they want to have, you know, an equal opportunity for both men and women. And so an equal number of sports for both men and women relatively at the collegiate soccer level or at the collegiate level. And so they've, you know, cut men's soccer programs to include women's soccer programs in comparison to sports like football, where there's only a men's so- men's program. Right, right, right. And so then I guess when it comes to, to recruiting, are you looking at these schools that you want to attend and going to camps and reaching out to the coaches? Or are they reaching out to you and scouting you out? How does that kind of work? And how, how does the contact with coaches get initiated? So I'd say that my um, true process of getting recruited began sophomore year when I began looking at schools um, just briefly and creating and compiling a list of places that I might be interested in um, as every other senior does for or as every other high schooler does um, so that when the time of senior year comes they can make their decision and so I, I created a list that included schools um, such as Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, and various others. And um, and then it was all about sophomore year, just, you know, playing to the best of my ability and, you know, acquiring film so that I could send that to coaches and they could see me play. Um, and then at the end of my sophomore year, going into my junior year that summer, I went and I spent the majority of the summer on tour um, looking at different colleges and attending their ID camps, which are essentially three to five day camps where you go and stay on campus at these schools and you get to live in the dorms and experience the cafeteria food. Um, And throughout the day, you're participating in two to three training sessions that are led by the head coaches of the school, as well as various other coaches who that coaching staff has brought in. Um, Usually they don't invite their rivals. As you can imagine, they don't want their rival teams picking off of the players at their camp, but it often includes local D2 or D3 schools that are nearby, which is um, amazing for the athletes um, point of view, because you're not only getting looked at by one school, but in often cases it can be, you know, 15 to 30. And so they're, 
they're really evaluating you and they're giving you feedback on, you know, where you sort of stand in the process. That summer, I I started off the by attending the Notre Dame ID camp and it's truly a unique experience and I didn't really know what to expect going in. And um, I remember going to the Notre Dame camp. I actually stayed in, in a dorm room with fellow marksman, Eric Yu, um, and another fellow marksman, Christian Shadle, was also at the camp as we were all sort of looking into the idea of college soccer. And Eric and I's dorm actually didn't have air conditioning. And usually June in, or usually in Notre Dame, it's not a problem, but June in Notre Dame, it was, it was pretty bad coming back from all of those training sessions. And so that, you know, that quickly ruled out the campus for me just because, you know, I didn't have a great experience at the camp and I, it didn't really seem like I created a lasting relationship with the coaches or necessarily left an impression. Um, I then went on to go visit um, the university of Virginia as well as wake forest. um, And then Liberty Christian in Virginia, those three that summer. And I had good experiences at all three, but none of them really felt like the right fit for me, whether it was with the coaching staff or just the facilities, you know, they weren't really calling to me, even though they were all amazing facilities. But the last um, camp I went to that summer, I had a decision whether to attend the Duke camp or the SMU camp because they overlapped and I'd been in really close contact with the Duke coach and he really wanted me to come. Um, the week prior he'd heard that I might not be able to come. And so he wanted to come, come see me train in Dallas with the FC Dallas Academy, but it, it just wasn't going to work out. And so I ended up making the decision to go to the SMU camp because I felt like it was someplace that I really wanted to see, even though I told myself that I didn't want to go to SMU because it was too close to home. And I wanted to get away a little bit. But ultimately, I had an amazing experience at the SMU ID camp. And I created an amazing relationship with the coaches. And, you know, of course, they they know um, all about FC Dallas kids as they brought in many before. And, you know, they know that FC Dallas kids often fit into their system really well. And so just from the dorms to the cafeteria to feeling like I was far enough away from home, but close enough that my parents could still watch the games, I I decided that SMU was my top choice right then. And then it began for me to start really pursuing them and showing them that I was interested in their school. And so then I guess kind of looking back on the, the, the whole process and all the ID camps, if if you could give some a piece of advice to, you know, a freshman in high school who's, you know, I guess in soccer or maybe any any other sport who's looking to be recruited, um, what advice would you give them? I'd say the biggest piece of advice for me is to get on it early because, you know, originally I didn't want to do those ID camps my you know, going into my junior year because I knew that I was going to be a better player if I'd given it a year and I'd done them going into my senior year. But it's all about timing. And I'm blessed that I did those camps when I did because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And then COVID hit. And so I wasn't able to return to any camps the following summer because they were canceled, even though, 
you know, it was my plan to look at a few more schools as well as, you know, return to the SMU camp to really solidify that it was the school that I wanted to attend. Um, and so if you're looking at playing at the collegiate level, I just suggest to get on it early, um, whether that's contacting coaches through emails um, or attending ID camps, you know, early. But, you know, finding the right time where you're going to be able to showcase enough skill that you still show development um, from a physical ability as well as mental to, you know, being able to narrow down a massive list of schools. Yeah. And so when you share film with coaches, are you doing it on an individual basis, just emailing them? Or do you have like a Twitter or something where you can kind of share those highlights? So I know Twitter's pretty big um, in use for both baseball um, and football, and I'm sure it is for basketball as well. But I, I don't actually have a Twitter account. For for soccer players, we often have, um, you know, a certain company film our games or we'll purchase a camera that we can set up at our games, um, you know, that we can take responsibility for and then we'll take the footage off of that and you know throw it up on youtube and then you sort of have to become a you have to go into your computer skills and learn how to edit those videos so that you can get the right clips um put together so that you have something to showcase to coaches right i'm sure your saint mark's skills came in handy when it came to the, the editing process so then what was the actual conversation when you committed? What was that like? Was that just over the phone or in person? What was that like? So uh, my commitment process was really interesting as I left the SMUID camp on an amazing foot and they told me that they wanted me to contact them soon, that they were really interested in me. Um, and so I followed up with them about a month later, and I guess this was in August, just checking in. And so then for the entirety of my junior year um, I was just sort of checking in with the coaches once in a while and they were you know letting me know how they were doing and how many spots they'd filled and you know they'd been coming out to watch some of my games to see me play in person and then you know at the end of my junior year COVID hit and so everything was put on pause and the NCAA um, instituted this dead period where coaches weren't allowed to D1 coaches weren't allowed to talk with um, athletes in person or make contact with them um, during the dead period or come watch them play. And so everything got a little scary as you didn't know what the future held. And, you know, you didn't know if the NCAA was going to give all of its athletes another year of eligibility where there wouldn't be any spots for you on any of these teams. And so it was a little bit scary. Um, and so I sort of waited and obviously there were so many other things going on in all of our lives during that time period, but in the July going into my senior year, so almost a year ago, I really remade contact with the SMU coaching staff and I was working really closely with my head soccer coach, um, who, you know, without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, not only because of his relationships with various coaches throughout the country, but um, just, you know, his knowledge from going through the process himself. And so I, re I feel really blessed to have him along my side. But I made contact with them again through an email, basically updating them on 
my standardized testing scores, my GPA, and really at that time telling them that SMU was where I wanted to see myself playing at the collegiate level. And again, sending them new videos of, you know, of me on the field. And so we talked variously a little bit sporadically at first after because of COVID. And then in August, we really started talking um, again, just, and I started asking them, you know, serious questions about playing at SMU, you know, whether that was where they saw me on the team, you know, how many minutes they're seeing me get, um, you know, why I wanted to attend SMU, not just from a soccer point of view, but, you know, the academics as well, and why it was truly the perfect fit for me. And so then in September of 2020, I was on a phone call um, with their head of recruitment, Ben Stoddard, and, you know, I told him that I wanted to do whatever it took to commit to SMU as soon as possible. And he said that's all he was looking for me. Um, and so I verbally committed to him over the phone. And um, three weeks later, three weeks to a month later, I, I signed all the paperwork on National Signing Day. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, it sounds like COVID did um, definitely kind of throw a wrench in your plans, but it looks like you, you made it out all right. So then I guess I wanted to ask about your coach. Um, and besides the, the dead period restriction, what other restrictions are in place at the D1 level and how do you, how is the communication maybe with your club coach as like a middleman? How does that, how does that work? So I think it's extremely important to, you know, have a club coach who has connections with, with these college coaches. Um, my coach, Casey Contour, um, he has phenomenal relationships with all these coaches and a lot of people on their staff because he's, you know, their same demographic and he actually grew up playing as the same time they did. And so he played in college for Oral Roberts. Um, he actually won a Texas high school state championship. Um, and so, you know, he can really relate to us as players and the balance between playing for high school and playing for the club team and also then moving on to the collegiate level. And so many of these coaches played in the collegiate level. And so, you know, they know him from, you know, connections through the years. And so, you know, really all the way dating back to my sophomore year, I started, you know, meeting with him to grab coffee or, you know, grab lunch and, you know, talk about where I saw myself after my senior year and, you know, what type of program would be the best fit for me, whether, you know, going D1 and, you know, working hard for playing time and, you know, pushing myself to become a better player or, you know, going D3 and, you know, sort of being the star guy on the field and, you know, having playing time immediately off the bat would be the experience I was looking for. Um, and so, you know, without him, I, I wouldn't be here today. So committed to SMU. So I'm extremely thankful for him. Mm -hmm. And then I understand that your, your father played for SMU back in the day. So what does it mean? What's kind of his story and what does it mean for you to be following in his footsteps? Um, it, it's also, it's, it's an amazing story. You know, truly to be going the same place as he did. And, you know, I, I sort of feel like I'm already living that as I'm at St. Mark's. And, you know, he played on the soccer team at St. Mark's. And he was actually a three-sport athlete back in the day um, on the football track and soccer teams. 
but you know, I'm, I'm also extremely excited to carve my own legacy and, you know, really go in the direction of whatever's best for me. I'd be honored that I'm there, you know, playing in his footsteps, but, you know, I understand that nothing um, of legacy or anything earns playing time on the field. And so I'm going to have to work my hardest um, to earn that playing time and prove myself and, you know, prove why I deserve that spot on the roster. Yeah. And then what's the significance to you and being so close to home and being able to have your parents and, and family come watch you play? So I, first of all, I love the city of Dallas. Um, I think it's an amazing city, you know, looking way into the future to potentially raise a family in, but it also has countless job opportunities and internships that would be um, amazing to sort of get going in the, in the business world um, during and after college. Um, but, you know, it was really special for me and meaningful that my dad and my mom who've, you know, given up countless hours to drive me all across the state of Texas and, you know, even more across the country to, to give me the opportunity to play soccer. And they've come and support me, you know, wherever I've been at whatever level it's been. And so it was really special for me that I'd be somewhere close by that they could continue to support. And I can, you know, swing by home to do my laundry and grab a meal and say hi to everyone. Of course. And then, you know, what's the, what are some of your fellow recruits like? Where are they from? And how big is the the class size? Um, So our class size this year is actually one of the larger classes all um, all across soccer and um, NCA soccer all across three levels. I think we have um, 10 to 12 kids coming in, which is, you know, usually that's absolutely absurd because you only carry 30, around 30 kids on the roster. Um, but I think there are going to be a fair amount of my class that's redshirting. And I think um, a lot of people are coming in with me because um, because of the talent that's out there and that the SMU coaches went after. Um, I also know that the junior class, now rising seniors class at SMU is quite large. And so they're sort of bringing us in to refill numbers once they graduate. But there are quite a few Dallas kids in the class. Um, I believe like the first six or seven, out of the first six or seven kids, committed like four of us were from Dallas and you know it's nice to be going in with people who you already know uh not necessarily people I've played with but played against and I'm thankful that you know now going forward they're going to be on my team as you know they they've certainly proved themselves as worthy opponents but you know really I'm I'm just excited to go in you know meet the guys and you know work my hardest to earn time on the field right and then your future roommate is on the team as well. He's from Colorado, right? Yes. So it, it was really important to the SMU coaching staff that you had a roommate who was on the team so that y'all would be on the same schedule um, and you'd be able to keep each other accountable for the same, you know, making it to practice on time and, you know, just really helping build team chemistry. And so I had this guy reach out to me on social media from Colorado um, after he committed. Um, his name is Jeff Koch, and he, he's a he's a great player, great guy. 
Um, he, he's a central defender for uh, one of our fellow ECNL teams. Um, and, you know, he's – I sort of knew right away after talking to him and getting to know him that he would be a great roommate. Um, he, he's got a lot of family in the Air Force. And so, you know, I know he'd take care of his responsibilities and um, we'd also – you know, our personalities mesh really well together. Yeah, that's awesome. And then what are you most looking forward to? It can be soccer related or just SMU related. What What's the the biggest um, thing you're looking forward to in the, over the next four years? You know, that, it's a difficult question because, you know, a lot of people look at college with, you know, so many expectations and, you know, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but I'd say ultimately, just like my time here at St. Mark's, um, my growth as, as a man and as a human being, um, you know, and my development, whether that's found on the soccer field and, you know, building excellence and character out there, working harder, you know, in the academic classroom, studying um, and focusing in, you know, on earning my degree um, in the business program. And so, you know, just as I'm so thankful that here at St. Mark's, you know, we, there's a focus and emphasis on the path to manhood. Um, you know, it's not something that I want to leave behind. Um, I want to continue to strive to be the best version of myself that I can be. Um, and, you know, these next four years are certainly stepping stones in that journey. Yeah. And then speaking of St. Mark's, um, Looking back on the past four years, what's your – I think I know what it is, but what's your favorite St. Mark's soccer memory? My favorite memory, it's – well, it, it's it's got to be winning the SBC Soccer Championship. But, you know, I'd say that it, that memory, it started before then. It started freshman year, um, you know, my first day in practice, you know, as a new kid, as an incoming freshman of the school you know, meeting, <laughs> meeting these kids, Henry McElhaney and Eric Yu and uh, two, two guys who had become two of my best friends. Um, and, you know, my, my partners in crime on the field and fellow captains senior year, um, meeting them and, you know, the journey that I've had with them. Um, and, you know, our, our other buddy, Christian Shadle, um on the playing field and winning that championship. Um, you know, it felt like it was something that had been in the works for all three years. And we were really disappointed my freshman and sophomore year when we got knocked out of the tournament. And we felt like it was our tournament to win and it was our time. And so it was really special achieving that junior year, especially looking back on it now when there wasn't a tournament senior year because of COVID. Yeah. And especially doing it as a five seed, correct? We were actually the number three seed, but we were the first ever three seed um, to win the tournament ever in SBC history because, you know, there are four rounds in the tournament and it happens over such a quick period of time in one weekend that if you're not the one or the two seed and you don't get a bye for that first round, it's usually so hard um, when the semifinal and the final rolls around that you'll be exhausted for it. And, you know, just the determination that the team showed out there that weekend and on the field. And of course you were there um, to win the championship as well. Um, and, and, you know, that was all extremely special. 
Yeah, that is an incredible memory for sure. And I guess um, before we wrap up, just one last question on current events. We've got the – I honestly don't know too much about it, but the, the new Super League that's forming, what are your initial thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's this really interesting concept where you're taking, you know, the 12 biggest clubs in Europe and you're combining them into this league. Um, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, as I'm sure it's an amazing economic opportunity for these 12 teams. Um, you know, it's also a little heartbreaking to hear as, you know, of the side effects it, it would have on all the other teams below them. I also feel like it would sort of ruin the special occasion of watching these 12 teams battle it out maybe once or twice a year, or even if that, because of those occasions are so special because they're so rare and normalizing them, um, you know, would, it would sort of, you know, smear the, smear the, um, just the glory and the valor of winning those games. Um, I also think it'd be really interesting if it did happen because um, these 12 teams are respectively the best all across Europe, but if they were to join a league, you know, there would certainly become a hierarchy pretty quickly within this league. And I think eventually there it'd become where, you know, the top one or two teams in the league want it consistently because there's obviously just such this big difference between European soccer and American sports where there's no cap limit. And so players are brought into the biggest clubs because the biggest clubs are usually those with money. Um, For one, I'm just thankful that I don't have to deal with all the consequences of that. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the growth of American soccer and the role that collegiate soccer plays in that. Um, here in the States, I certainly feel that it'd be better for European soccer if this league wasn't formed, but you know, it's nice to be able to watch from afar. And um, I'm also a Bayern Munich fan. And so I respect their decision to, you know, not join this super league. And I feel a little bit more pride supporting them now. Hmm. Well, Noble, thanks for joining us today. Um, I love talking about your recruitment and I wish you all the luck. Come coming over the next four years. Thank you so much. Um, It was a pleasure to be on here and, you know, talk to all of our fellow marksmen and sort of give everyone a little bit of an insight into the soccer world. Um, And, you know, I'll can't wait to (laughs) take it away in the fall um, for SMU. Yes, sir. All right. I'll catch you later. All right, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks to Noble and Robert for doing that interview. Congratulations to Noble on your commitment to SMU. You can absolutely nail the soccer team there. And I can't wait to see you scoring some awesome goals and and just contributing to that team in every way, shape, and form. Make sure to keep an eye out for the rest of the End Zone podcast coming out today. It is End Zone Day, and we've got a whole slate of 15 podcasts coming out today. Just hours upon hours upon hours of amazing audio. So follow us on whatever podcast platform you're using so that you don't miss out. If your platform allows you to, drop a five-star rating, leave us a review, share with your friends, share with your family, share with the first five people you see, even if they're strangers, and know that I'll appreciate it. Other than that, Enjoy Endzone, enjoy the rest of these podcasts, stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you around.